Welcome to the Burning Eye podcast. My name is Bridget Hart and I am your host. I work for Burning Eye Books, an independent poetry publisher based in the Southwest. We specialise in putting spoken word, performance, slam and stand-up poetry on the page. We are well into our 2022 schedule, as you may have known if you have been listening to the episode so far of this series. If not, pop back and listen to the last couple. Um, As you will know if you have been listening, each episode we chat to our poets as they release their books. This episode I'm going to be joined by Pascal Vine, whose new pamphlet, Good Listeners, is out this week. The world has a way of getting into you. These poems document the process of prying it out, where that can be from an ash tree's trunk or a rabbit's warren, or behind an abandoned shipping container on the way to work, or in a dusty noise show basement. Good listeners lead you through the afterlife of trauma and disability. You will meet many strangers to guide you into the world where you suddenly find yourself coping. Pascal Vine is a UK performance poet from the Somerset levels who enjoys describing the world around him in the touchiest, feeliest possible ways. He graduated Bath Spa in creative writing and religion in 2018 and has been mooching ever since. Pascal has made themselves useful behind the scenes at many slams and open mics since starting out five years ago. He's worked with punks, interpretive dancers, noise artists, radio hosts and anyone who will let him. He is one third of the team behind Bristol Tonic Poetry Night. He has been published by Bad Betty, Three Drops, Verve and Eyeflash in various anthologies. He is disabled, non-binary and tired. About good listeners, Rebecca Tantoni says, Pascal Vine is a raw, honest writer who plummets you into a world as he sees it. A world full of sensual, spiritual and visceral reflections on nature and humanity. He knows how to walk you into the core of the heart and leave you there. As always, we hope that you're settled in with a nice hot drink um, and you enjoyed today's episode. If you do, please leave a comment, like, subscribe, share on your social media posts and don't forget to tag us at Burning Eye Books. Enjoy today's episode. Hello, Pascal! Oh, it's real, it's here! Hey, whoa, whoa! It's Pascal Vine! The crowd is going wild. Uh, If you're listening to this, um, you have to imagine that there's a live audience here in the studio. Absolutely, they're rowdy, they're um, climbing the barriers, the the bodyguards are having real trouble keeping them back. It's just absolutely off the handle here all of these imaginary people welcome to the wrestling podcast yes (laughs) if i hadn't if i couldn't be a poet then i would obviously love to be a pro wrestler i think you know that's the that's my real dream job i'm just doing this as a side hustle to be absolutely honest i i can absolutely see that for you mate i really can i don't know if i'd have a name yet or what kind of name i'd have I, I I do sometimes go onto my um my iPhone when I'm listening to my music. I'm like, yeah, this is my going to be my entrance music. Um, oh yeah, I love a good playlist with some entrance music on, just for like you know different yes. key changes and stuff. Perfect. Oh yeah, just you know just just be like this drum fill exactly. That's when I come in. <laughs> I don't know if you do this as well, but every time I have a gig coming up to psych myself up 
when I'm walking around with my headphones on, I imagine like entering the room, like someone's announced me and I'm like sauntering up to the stage to, you know, Toxic by Britney. This is the thing though. I remember um, somebody, when I first got into uh, spoken word, I was like, do I get intro music? And they were like, I'm not going to give you intro music. You're on for like two minutes. And I'm like, well, you should give me intro music. (laughs) And so ever since then, I do exactly what you, I I listen to something by Metallica or Back in Black by ACDC, something, something like really old school, like metal or something like that, ridiculous or like, um, or the other end of the spectrum, it's some really bouncy scar, and I'm, and that's how I like to pretend to come onto the stage before I actually come onto the stage. So yes, <laughs> nice. My most recent one that I've fallen back to is "Bad Boy" by Cascada. Oh yes. So Pascal, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm 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 a little bit overwhelmed, as people know. But when ha- good things happen to me, I get overwhelmed. So as you can imagine, the last few days. I'm excited. People keep saying, enjoy the moment. I'm like, I am enjoying it. I just happen to be on an adrenaline high. I always find as poet, as artist in general, like it's very hard to be in the moment. Yes. Like in that achieving moment, because the process of uh, getting to that point is is a very long one sometimes, especially when it comes to books. Oh, yeah. You know, as, as one can imagine, your debut pamphlet has probably come a long way over a long period of time you you know how long has this one been going on like in the process for to right up until today when you when you got the books i i wrote a blog post about this i'll have you know but um but but i would say um yeah i to summarize that blog post it took about two years but the development of every single poem probably took years of just being at open mics being uh wrestling my friends to the ground and being like would you workshop this and uh just annoying the hell out of them just so I could get some feedback and a lot of it was just um sitting around mulling around so my collection was originally going to be called uh one way sunlight that was the early stage name for it and that's what I submitted it under to that's what got accepted as and um I was really proud of the name. Don't get me wrong. I really loved the name One Way Sunlight, but it, for some reason, didn't sit right with me. And then one time when I had printed out all of the sheets for like the third time ever and was like, like fiddling around with them to see which one, I, I suddenly realized I took out the poem with One Way Sunlight in it, there where that line comes from. And I was like, oh, it's a different collection now. I have to find a new name. And so I spent the next, I think, months or so just trying. That was my main concern for a very long time. Not the like, not all the grammar mistakes that came up and the syntax and you know all of this nonsense. No, no, it was just misplaced punctuation. No, not a problem. It was the title which was driving me mad. I would just go to sleep at night thinking, "Well, we'll find another one in the morning." But eventually, good listeners, I was like, "I am, I am satisfied." So, yeah, yes. I love I love good listeners as a title. I think it's amazing, and I think it speaks to a lot of the feeling about the book, in which there is so many ways to listen to yourself, to the world, the world around you. But it mm. also is like that little kind of reminds me of like almost like a borrowers, like yeah. there's like little yeah. mythical creatures that are hanging out in nature, just listening to you and your life. And I love that feeling yeah. for it. 
Well, thank you. I'm, I'm glad I've kind of hit the nail, you've hit the nail on the head there because originally this started out. Um, I remember having one of the biggest critiques I ever had was from a, um, a friend of mine, um, Reese, who made a really good point when he, he was like, a lot of your work is in second person and it's about you. And I was like, yeah, would. And I had to really digest that. <laughs> I really had to digest that and really think about it. And I was like, what if I wrote, you know, if I, if I was to really tackle this head on, why don't I start writing poems which aren't about me, but are in second person or from a different perspective? If I am going to write in second person, what's that perspective going to be? And so it started out as like a, an animist thing, as in like everything around you has like spirits was the beginning of it. And I realized I could write it from the perspective of lots of things. So there's a, there's a poem from the perspective of a road. There's definitely one from the perspective of a rabbit, brand new as well, um, which is the uh, brand new for everyone else. But um, uh, two years in the running for me. So, <laughs> so. Yeah, I think that is such a big thing about releasing a book, is especially the first time when you you discover the um, poems that you've been working on and literally living with will be so new to so many people. And I think there's yeah. that wonderful sort of validating experience when those people start reading it and coming back to you and being like, oh, I love this poem or, you know, this is... And it becomes like a bit of a story. You're like, oh yeah, oh I wrote that, yeah. Oh, I completely oh, yeah. forgot. No, I don't completely forgotten. That other people haven't seen these poems until you um, went out and shared one of them, which uh, all my friends were fucking sick. I think it's called. Yeah. And um, people came back to me and were like, wow, this is amazing. And I was like, you guys have seen this poem, and I'm like, oh no, they haven't. <laughs> they haven't seen this poem. That's oh yes, cool, right? <laughs> so. Well, I've had the absolute privilege of obviously reading all of these poems and and kind of being with you on this journey from the beginning of publication yeah. to to now. Uh, how was that process for you, like putting the book together? Like, um, because it, was, there mu it must yeah. have been obviously a new experience. Obviously, you've had poems in anthologies and things before, mm -hmm. so working with indie publishers isn't entirely new for you. But what was the process like from sort of finding out that you're, you've been accepted and, and to, to the point of having, you know, putting the book order in for your first lot of books? So I think you know this story, but when I found out I did cry, scream and faint. Um, I was just so happy. I, my, my little brain couldn't handle it. And then uh, I was filled with joy. And then the year after of just making, um, it fit into and work was pretty much, um, I'm not gonna lie, I did some days have just really bad days when I didn't do anything, but I did tell my parents and I went upstairs and I was like, I'm going to work on my book now and you're all going to leave me alone. And I would that just go upstairs. perfect excuse for parents. <laughs> I would just- Perfect <laughs> excuse for a parent. Listen, I have a part-time job where I work for my parents. So I went upstairs sometimes and I'm like, excuse me, I'm going to be working on my book. I'm going to be doing my writing now. And I just go upstairs, lie face down, like in 20 All, you know, all necessary down. parts of, of being able to write the book, though. I, you know I think. what? But it is. Yeah, <laughs> it, it is. It is often you need, like with any kind of work, you have, you know, paid leave and things like that. So that's exactly what I did. This, you've obviously talked about earlier as well, like mentioning taking out poems, poems that didn't make it into that book. Mm. How was that like, you know, you were saying, do you find that process difficult to like pick the poem? Because obviously a pamphlet, especially 
what the Poetry Society dictate mm. as a size for a pamphlet. Oh, gosh. Which is 36 yeah. pages and your book is 35 pages. Oh. And that is not a huge amount of space if you've got quite mm. a lot of poems that you're thinking of, of putting in. And how it was is, that? Yeah. I mean, it was, so, it was at the beginning, um, I was really lost and confused and petrified and all the other things that Gloria Gaynor sang about. I was just sorry. Yeah, sorry. My brain sometimes doesn't catch up to what I'm saying very easily. Um, yeah. So in the beginning, I was really lost with how to order everything, especially because the thing I submitted to you, um, I was like, I'm ready to publish, and I was like, and I don't. I'm this next year or so is going to be a breeze because I don't need to edit this. Wrong. I needed to very much edit it. You know, it's the beginning. It was a draft. So. Um, and I just kept in mind what Rebecca Tantoni told me, who I had a mentoring session with, and she was incredibly helpful. Um, she told me that, like, you need to tell a story through the whole thing. And just so every little thing needs to be within that through line that you've established for yourself. So I said to myself, right, what is the, the through line? And so I began, I found the, the whole pages on the floor thing really, really overwhelming. And so eventually I would just look at the contents page. And this is why um, I made a lot of last minute edits to the titles because I wasn't, I got, I looked at them so much that I was real sick of them by the end of them. So I managed to, but I did swirl them around. So eventually I'd look at the, con the page. And another thing was um, going through them all and seeing what references to time there were in them. I know for some people that might be, uh, so there is a thing I worked very hard to make sure that you have May, April, June, and then October, I think, is the um, the order of the mentions of the months in the poem. But I think other people have to find their anchoring points within the poem. The poem that, how the poems take you into a space if you if, you know if you are a poet and you, you're planning to do one of these or you are doing one of these then you've got to find what the anchoring point of each poem and where it brings you or where it's bringing you to or where it is you know find that and then kind of see where you know and then find each poem and say where do you want them to take you in turn that sounds very pretentious and not very helpful but hopefully that'll make some sort of sense to someone if in doubt the shrug and um uh, you know, bridge will fix it. So um, <laughs> <laughs> that was <laughs> like the fairy, fairly odd parent of poetry. yeah. You just come in and just, <laughs> just. I think it can be quite hard as well if for your first book, there's a lot of pressure on you that you put on yourself as a writer to be like this has to be the most perfect thing ever. And then honestly, like a year after it has been released, you're like, cool, I can do better than yes. that now. Do you know what I mean? Um, oh, I, I mean, you're, we're already in the state. Well, I'm already in the stage where I've seen the book, the um, the books as it as it is. So I've been happy with this for about a few months now. But uh, yes, it it's been a challenging process, but it's certainly one that I've enjoyed very much. As a disabled person who works a part time job, and I have to work for my parents because no one else will let me dob off for quite so long as my parents will. Shout out to mum and dad. I love them to bits, but you know, I'm, I have chronic fatigue syndrome. So a lot of the time I am just stuck in bed, you know, and I want to, I'm one of those people who likes to do things. And so um, when it comes to writing 
you know, it, it gives me a sense of purpose. It gives me a sense of I am doing something, even if I will be lying in bed playing Stardew Valley or whatever. I feel like I, you know, that is part of the process. So I can, I, I'm saying to myself, I am doing, you know, the, it's sometimes hard to find your way in this world if you don't have something to come back to and continue to work on. And now that it's out, oh my gosh, so much work. It should have stayed as a draft. It's quite a lot that happens all at once when the book comes mm. out. There's like this to figure out, there's that, there's like the law and everything. Uh, and then it kind of slows, sort of starts to slow down again. Mm. Um, but that, I think the process after the, the big rush at the beginning is always really interesting because you take your poems out and they reach new people. And I always found with my books that like I took them to different audiences in different places. And each time I would find new things that I liked about them or I would perform them in a different way or just find ways to create them new to me I suppose yeah. with yeah. um good listeners there's so much to unfold in that especially for a reader reading for, even for me I've read these poems through now probably about five or six times the whole way through and every time I read them again I find something a detail or a line that I missed last time and I'm constantly sort of unpicking the layers of it and the way in which you move between the natural world sort of urban life you've got the mm the punk basement there with the with the drum kit like a sick animal that we were all crowded around because you want to know if it needs to be taken care of like as someone that has been to many punk shows like and hardcore shows people do that they, they gather do. around the drum kit and the way that you bring these like moments to life is a really remarkable achievement i think it really says this is who I am and this is all of the places that make me who I am. But it was actually interesting that you should mention that. Um, the, do you remember the, oh, I think it's Hydra Books, right? Do you, oh, R.I.P. Hydra Books. Ripper Rooney. Uh, but there was a gig at Hydra Books where Salt Bath was there. They, they're from Newport. They're a really good uh, queer. They they sound like they have an entire song, which is just them screaming the words. I don't want to be a punk. I just want to be a rent boy. And I love it so much. I love to listen to them while I shower. And um, it was specifically that gig. And I think you were there and we were all just literally. And I'd never been to a gig where it was literally a room and they were in the middle of the room with a drum kit. And they were like literally spiraling around. And I was like, oh man, it's like a bonfire, you know? It was like they're in the middle and all the likes were in them in the middle. And I was like, it, we were all just, you know, and then uh, I have my mate, uh, Sonny, who did a beheading gig, who was part of beheading. Uh, and this was a before the pandemic, Ripperoni. Um, I haven't seen them since, since but I, we again, um, I believe my friend Isaac was on the drums and uh, Isaac of Punch On. And he was playing like his heart out and we were all just getting closer and closer and closer to the drums. And I was like, it's just really nice. And, and you know, uh, I was always really intimidated by these shows because I'm not very good at remembering all of the things. And But it was it was really heartening to be around all of these people who at first come across as very intimidating and then they welcome you in. They're just like the most welcoming people in the world and the most caring people as well. Um, I remember being offered to be, you know, uh, even by strangers, I would be offered to be walked home or like, are you with your friends? Have you, are you lost? <laughs> I think you want to sleep on my bag. It was one thing somebody asked me once when I was at um, 
Croft is right, <laughs> which was very nice. Uh, yeah, so, so it's uh, that poem in particular is a reflection of, you know, how other people around us, even if we're all kind of like suffering, we're, we're, they're all incredibly caring people. And that's the way they express it. And that is why I bloody love DIY. Back to the book, though. I mean, you have uh, been writing this for a few years. It's now come into fruition. How does it feel to have the book in your hand? The book real, real book, book. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's real soft. I can tell you that. It's like, <laughs> that's one of the things I really liked about um, the, the covers of Burn. I, I know it's really weird, but like when you're choosing a favourite publisher or the publisher you want to go for, one of the things you will find yourself doing is being like, how are the covers on this? What are the textures of the covers on this? What fonts do they use? It, it, uh, it's a bit, again, it's overwhelming, but again, it's it's good and it's real. And uh, I feel like other people are going to hold it at some point. And I get to look at the artwork uh, permanently in my hand now, which is amazing. Shout out to the artist Julian Maholics. He was so wonderful to work with to get the, the cover looking as it is. And everyone has complimented me on the cover, everyone, you know, and I'm so happy about it. And I'm just, you know, really overwhelmed. <laughs> just, you know, by how many people seem to, you know, by how actually it looks. And oh my God, it's a book, it's real. <laughs> I've wanted this since I was a kid, you know. Um, I, I remember um, it sounds really cliche, but you know, when you do your sats as like in primary school and you get the oh, you've got a 5A for this, that and the other. I, I didn't do great on everything, um, but I did do really well in English. I remember running down, this, like, this is like a country uh, school. So we had like a, a big a dirt beaten path outside of the school where I would meet my mum each day. And then we would walk home together to, you know, through the fields and stuff. So I would, I would just bullet it towards her. Like I like the scene where Martin Freeman as the Hobbit is is running running down the path and like oh I'm going on an adventure I was literally waving this going around like mum mum I'm gonna be an author and I still feel like that little kid who's just squirreling around the box full of books and like I'm gonna be an author it's real I have my name on a book it's ah so <laughs> yeah that's exactly how it feels it feels ah um dolphin awesome. noises. That's amazing. <laughs> That's such a good way to describe it as well. That's, congratulations. It's a beautiful book and I'm so glad that we got to produce it for you. Would you like to see us out of the episode uh, by doing a poem from the book for us? Um, so this is the first one in the book and it's called There Are No Vacancies and the reason I'm doing this one is because yeah, I want to introduce you to the book and so I think the first, the best way of doing that is to read kind of the, the opening volley of it. So this is, there are no vacancies. For someone to supervise the sun as he lowers himself behind the hills. Slowly, like he's got your father's bad knees and ashy grimace. And this morning, I didn't need to tell you that. Clouds pass over you like a chugger on a wide high street. You're trying to tell them, look, you, you've got silver. And they don't have the voice to ignore you or understand that you can save a planet, that you have a vote that counts, you contribute, you can contribute. I know the opening hours of your wounds, the lights are still on inside you. 
when you say you can't take any more of this shit, you're stalling to find new huddled empties we can call what is left of us. Thank you very much. Yay! Uh, applause! Yay! Yay. <laughs> well, uh, everyone listening at home, don't forget that you can get Pascal's book from our web store at burningeye.co.uk. You can get it direct from Pascal, which we definitely recommend doing because you might get, I don't know, a cheeky sign copy. Oh, I, I can sign it. I also sell postcards and stickers and other sexy things. So yeah. it's that's all right. I'm not trying to outcompete you guys or anything like that. No, no, no. <laughs> we are, Burning Eye, we, we make sure that the artist gets the most out of their book sales as possible. So we always oh, oh, recommend yeah. going direct to the artist to, to get their books. And in this case, Pascal's sexy other things. Next, there are so many things that where, the where can, I think arrived. Okay. <laughs> where can we get the sexy things and the book from Pascal? Hey, we can get it from my big cartel, which I believe is Pascal Vine Poet. At hang on one moment, let me double check, check that. That is uh, da, 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 uh, Pascal Vine Poet dot uh, dot com. Um, so you you can you can check that out. Yes, there are postcards. There are stickers. There are uh, my book so you can definitely <laughs> <laughs> I went out of steam a bit at the end there like my, uh... <laughs> can tell I'm very tired <laughs> that's well, my default state I'm afraid <laughs> yeah no I feel yeah well thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today um, it's been a real pleasure working with you over the past year and, and I'm so glad that your book's out into the world and I can't wait to see what you do with it um, congratulations and well done. Thank you, Bridget. Thank you, people who read my books. If, if, you're, if, you're, if you're real, if you're out there, thank you. And thank you to, you know, uh, to Bridget, to Kate and to Clive for making it all happen. I feel very, oh, <laughs> very, everything's a lot. Thank you. <laughs> thank you very much.